So we do have the privilege today of welcoming some new members into our midst, into our our family here, and we'll welcome some of them today and the rest of them on another Sunday. Um, But before we do that, I I do want to talk a little bit about what church membership is and, and what it means for us, what it means for you, what it means for the church. And so we will look at various uh, different uh, uh, scriptures as we go through this lesson today, but I do want us to start in the book of Hebrews. We are in Hebrews chapter 13, and I'm sorry, I forgot it is not in your bulletin there. I'll give you a minute or two to get there. Um, but Hebrews chapter 13, we will begin in verse 7 and, and go through verse 17. The book of Hebrews, the author there lays out how Jesus fulfills a lot of those Old Testament offices um, in his life and his death and his resurrection and his current work in heaven, interceding on behalf of his people. He is the better sacrifice. He is the better Moses. He is the better human, the, the better Adam, and fulfills all of those, those things that pointed to him and to our need for the perfect priest, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Moses, the perfect Adam. And in chapters uh, 12 and 13, he is giving some uh, direction in light of the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done. And that is where we pick up today in verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 13. So please follow along and hear the word of the Lord. Yeah, we're in Hebrews 13, beginning in verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals to the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continue to offer God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that confess his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. Let us pray. Great God, As we study today, guide us in salvation, guide us in truth, and guide us in holiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I thought about what I would preach today, there were several different options that I waffled back and forth throughout. Do I just continue on with Revelation 6 and then tack the declaration of membership on to the end of the service? Do I give an impassioned defense of church membership from the scriptures, tracing it from the beginning of scripture on to the consummation of the kingdom in Revelation? Or do I merely focus on what we are and are not doing when we go through the process of joining a church and how we are to work that out in our lives? Well, 
I went with the third option. What are we, what are we doing? How does it work out in our lives as we go through the, the process of church membership? As far as the first option goes, you know, all, all of you know of my hope that Jesus would return before I have to deal with the pictures and images in Revelation 6 through 19. And I thought, well, if I can give him an extra week, let's see what happens. As for the second option, I think the passage we open with today gives us a short and effective focus on one of the biblical bases for church membership. And it boils down to this. Who do the, how do the leaders know who they are responsible for, who they are going to give an account before God? Unless there's some type of list and how do you as people within the church know whom to obey and to support and to pray for and to remember. Unless there is some type of list. The author of Hebrews there calls you to remember the leaders of the church. Are you called to remember every single leader within the church universal? The answer is no. You are called to remember the leaders of your church, the church you have united with in membership? And will the leaders be held to account for every single Christian that lived during the time they ministered? May it not be, brothers and sisters. No, we are only accountable for those who declare their commitment to the local church where they served. And so that leaves us with a third option. As we consider the meaning of church membership today, I want you to see your church membership, both the moment that you became a member of this or any church and the entirety of time that you were a member of that particular church. I want to see, want you to see your membership as a series of declarations, declarations that you are giving to the, to the world and to this particular church here and to God. And these declarations are seen in the seven questions that we will answer later. And these declarations follow you throughout the entirety of your membership in this church from now until you either move and align with another church or until God calls you home to worship with the church triumphant. So today I want us to see that church membership is a declaration of number one, who you are, number two, where you stand, and number three, how you will live. First, church membership is a declaration of who you are. Who are you? You are a sinner saved by grace. Before I dig into this a little bit more deeply and what it means and how it's reflected in the membership questions, I want you to understand that church membership does not save you. I will not be asking any of the people who are joining today and in the, and in the following weeks, I will not be asking them if they humbly and fully rely upon their ability to positively answer these seven questions as the basis of their salvation. Church membership does not save you, but it is a declaration of who you are before God and how you have been saved by his love, his grace, and his mercy. The first question asks, do you confess that you are a sinner in the sight of God, that you deserve his punishment, that you are unable to save yourself, and that you are without hope of salvation except for God's love and for God's mercy? Brothers and sisters, you and I begin life in rebellion to God and his law. You and I continue our lives in rebellion to God and his law. And this original and continuous rebellion brings us to God's presence under his condemnation. Because of our rebellion, both original and continual, 
We fall short, as Romans 3.23, we fall short of God's glory. All have sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. And Romans 6.23 tells us that we have earned for ourselves through our rebellion, through our sin, that we have earned for ourselves death. A death marked not only by physical death, but marked also by the reality that you will spend eternity in God's presence without the holding back of his anger and hatred towards sin. Brothers and sisters, every single human being lives today in God's presence, but he holds back in his common grace, he holds back his anger, his hatred for sin. And those who die in their sins will live eternity in the presence, feeling the full force of his glorious presence without the holding back of that wrath, of that anger. They will experience forever God's wrath and God's justice. But thanks be to God that he does not leave us there. In his love and in his mercy, he gives us question two. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the son of God and the savior of sinners? And do you receive and trust in him alone for your salvation? God expressed that love, that mercy, that grace to humanity by sending his son the fully divine, fully human second person of the triune God to live the righteous life that we could not live and to take the punishment for sin that we do not want. In love, Romans 5, 8 tells us that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The righteous life, the heinous death and the glorious resurrection of Jesus is the hope for the hopeless. Jesus perfectly kept the law of God where you and I rebel against the law. Jesus suffered the punishment for sin on the cross, the punishment due to those who put their hope in him. And Jesus rose again from the dead so that we could have the steadfast hope of salvation and reconciliation to God above. Love to the loveless and hope for the hopeless flow from the life of Jesus. And today, as these members, new members of the church answer these questions, and for those of you who have been members for a lifetime, hear these questions answered. Consider and think that you are declaring to this body and to this world that you have placed your conviction and hope on Jesus alone for your salvation and for reconciliation to God. You are declaring that you are a sinner saved by the love and mercy of God as worked out in the life of death and resurrection of Jesus. Church membership is a declaration of who you are. Church church membership is a declaration of where you stand. Now you may be asking, Ike, what do you mean it's a declaration of where I stand? I'm going to be standing right up there in a few minutes. Well, what I'm asking you to declare Or what I'm asking you is to declare that where you stand regarding the truth. And we have two questions, questions three and question six that deal with this. And and both of these questions are rooted in one place, and that is the Bible. Question three says, do you accept the Bible comprised of the Old and New Testaments as the written word of God? And that it is the only perfect rule of faith in how to live. And question six says, do you accept that the doctrines and principles of the standards of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church are founded upon the scriptures? Each family that is going through this process right now was given a copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith. 
In the 1640s, a group of pastors from England and Scotland gathered together in Westminster and they they summarized the teachings of the Bible and the product of that is the Westminster Confession of Faith. And when you answer question six regarding your acceptance of the doctrine and principles of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church being founded on scriptures, that is what you are affirming. That those doctrines as summarized in the confession are based upon the scriptures beyond this assuring you that the confession is founded upon scripture and encouraging you to read it and the scripture references for yourself we are called to study and to make sure that what we proclaim what we believe as it is summarized in sermons and sunday school and confessions is based upon the scripture but because the confession is a summary of Scripture, we need to understand that when asked what is the foundation for the truth that you believe, Scripture or the Bible or the 66 books of the Old and New Testament needs to be your answer. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 give us reasons for this. Verses 15 through 17 of 2 Timothy 3 says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. First off, we base our truth on the scriptures because they reveal salvation to us. Paul in Romans 1 tells us that everything we need to know about God and about humanity to know that we are under God's condemnation is plain, is clear in the creation around us. It is his word that gives us the path of salvation, the path of reconciliation to God, the the path to being able to answer questions one and two, truthfully and honestly. But beyond being the source of salvation, it is also inspired or breathed out by God. We talk about John or, or Moses or Paul or David or Solomon or Isaiah or Peter being the human authors of Scripture, but God spoke through those men to make sure that the truth they wrote was his truth and was correct according to what he wanted to be revealed through those men. He did not take away their personality. He did not take away their humor but he spoke through them and through their words to make sure that the God who is truth revealed truth to humanity. Thirdly, the scriptures are profitable, profitable for four things, for teaching. They teach us what we need to know about salvation, what we need to know about life. Rebuking, they confront and convict us of our sins. For correcting, they, they, they act as a as a spiritual doctor to fix deformities in our lives. They, they, they teach, they rebuke, they correct, and they train us in righteousness. The Holy Spirit uses the scriptures to direct us in those paths of righteousness for God's, for God's glory, for God's sake. And they do all of these things, brothers and sisters, so that you and I can be equipped, furnished, ready for the good works that God has ordained for us to do. How can you be more righteous in your home? Look to the scriptures. How can you be better at glorifying God in your work? Look to the Bible and how can you be better at seeking God's glory in your hobbies? 
look to the 66 books of the Old and the New Testament. So church membership is a declaration of who you are. You are a sinner saved by the grace of God. Church membership is a declaration of where you stand. You stand on God's truth as revealed in the scriptures. And finally, church membership is a declaration of how you will live. Questions four, five, and seven answer the question, so what? So what that I'm a sinner saved by grace? So what that I stand upon the truth of God's word? Question four says, do you promise to trust in the guidance and strength of the Holy Spirit so that you can live all of life as a Christian following the example set by Jesus Christ? Do you promise to exercise faithful stewardship of God's resources entrusted to you for the furtherance of God's kingdom and purposes? That was question five. And then question seven. In loving obedience, do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of this church, promising to seek the peace, the purity, and the prosperity of this congregation as long as you are a member of it? In answering these three questions, you are saying that you will strive to live according to God's call for holiness on your life, and you will live out that call for holiness under the submission and cooperation of this church, of this congregation. Why do we pursue holiness? First Peter 2.24 says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Of course, that he himself is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who became sin, even though he was not and knew not any type of sin. But he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We think of Jesus' work on the cross in terms of forgiveness for our past sins. And hallelujah, brothers and sisters, that is the truth. We also think of Jesus' work on the cross as the assurance of the hope that we have coupled with his resurrection, the assurance of the hope that we have of an eternal future with him. And brothers and sisters, hallelujah, that is true. But the blood of the cross didn't only buy forgiveness from the past and hope for the future, it bought your present pursuit of holiness. The blood of Christ worked in such a way it purchased you being holy. Through the cross, you are declared holy in the sight of God. And through the cross, you are called to live out that holiness in your day-to-day life. That holiness works out in the fact that in the guidance of and strength of the Holy Spirit, that you are going to seek to work out God's law, to dig sin out of your heart and replace it with holiness, to dig idolatry out of your heart and, play, and replace it with true worship for God, understanding that this is a lifelong journey that will only be complete when we are in his presence, but also understanding through the power of the blood and the power of the cross, we are called to live a holy life. It's a reminder that part of that holiness is also stewardship. I know the preacher's talking about stewardship. He's only going to meddle for a little bit. It's okay. But we are called to exercise stewardship of all of the resources that God has entrusted to you for the furtherance of God's kingdoms and purposes. That means you are called to steward your time. You have to weigh between time that is to be given to God and his worship or time that is to be given to work or to recreation. We steward that time for God. Your your treasures, we are called to steward our treasures. 
It doesn't just mean your money, your tithes and offerings, although we are called to give those things, but your home, your cars, your bank accounts, all of those things are to be used for God's glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom and your talents, not only your spiritual gifts, but also the gifts that you are given, whether it's musically, whether it's administratively, whether it's through art and other beautiful things like that, we are called to steward those resources for the furtherance of God's kingdom and purposes. We are called to do so in submission and obedience to the government and discipline of the church. Matthew 18, Jesus gives us this outline of dealing with a brother or a sister who has created an offense against us. It involves going to them one-on-one and seeking to reconcile the offense. If that doesn't work, you take a witness with you. It takes two witnesses in a court according to the scriptures to be to be um, considered guilty in a court of law. And so you take a witness with you. And, 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 and then if that doesn't work, you take the elders with you, the elders of the church. And then if that doesn't work, um, that is uh, excommunication is the next step. And And that process is given to us because God understands that even in this pursuit of holiness, we're going to falter, we're going to fail, we're going to stumble. And as church members, we declare that we are submissive to that process, that that we will do our best to overcome the sin at that first moment of confrontation by a fellow brother or sister in Christ. We, we, we admit that they are coming to us in love, not to be mean to us, not to punish us, but to help to discipline us. And you are also declaring that when you see those things happening within the church, that you will be part of that process to confront in love a fellow brother or sister who is living life out of holiness with God. It's part of God's love and mercy. We, we think of church discipline as God just being, I'm going to come down hard on the sins of my people. No, brothers and sisters, it is unloving for God to leave you in your sin. It is far more loving for him to confront you in that sin and to draw you back to him and to reconcile you, reconcile you back to him and to his people And so he gives us the process of church discipline as an exercise of love. So you are declaring who you are. You are a sinner saved by grace. You're declaring where you stand. You stand on the foundation of God's words, God's word of truth. And church membership is a declaration of how you will live. You will live in holiness and submission to God's word and to the church. As I mentioned in the beginning, this is a call to those joining the church today and a call for those who have been members of this church for years. Ultimately, the call is to do this, is to search your hearts. Do you take or have you taken over these years that you have been a member of the church? Have you taken these questions as seriously as God does? Maybe you're someone who has not truly wrestled with the reality of who you are in your relationship to God and the good news of salvation and reconciliation that he offers. Take time to learn, to consider the first two questions and to come before him in new or renewed humility, pursuing grace.
Maybe you have begun to question the foundation of truth that you have vowed to rely on. Deconstruction is a cool word in our world today. You can find great acceptance with friends and co-workers and people on Facebook by saying, yeah, I used to believe in the Bible once, but now I just pick and choose the things that I think are right. What a dangerous place to be. Get back into the world and ask God to truly reveal his truth to you. Maybe you have compromised the holiness to which God has called you. Take your sin to the cross and be reminded that Jesus' blood not only secured your past and your future, but on the cross, Jesus also purchased your holiness. As the church, as church members, you declare these things. And we, the church, declare to you that you are not alone in these pursuits. We are all here together, united by the declaration of who we are in Christ, by the declaration of the truth on which we stand, and by the declaration of how we will live. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for church membership and the the thing that it is. It is not something to be taken lightly. It is not something to be entered into lightly, but it is something that honors and glorifies you. I thank you that the people who will stand here today and who will stand here in the next few weeks uh, to answer these questions, to to declare to the world who they are, where they stand And how they will live, I thank you that they have taken this process seriously and are here today to to declare to you and to us these truths. So bless us as a church, bless the members of this church as we move forward from today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We are knit together for all eternity through the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We weep with those who weep, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we leave together with this blessing today. May the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. And as we longingly await the day when our hopes will be fully realized, we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.